Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains the sermon from March 22nd by Pastor Randy, titled, A Christian Response to the Coronavirus. All right, well, here we are, new experience uh, for me, live streaming, probably for a lot of you too, watching live streaming, and things are probably a little bit awkward. I uh, don't have any makeup people to deal with any glare that might be coming through, but that's just the way things are. Um, this is sort of unprecedented time for us. It's Things are just weird. Uh, and, you know, I could sit here and preach and I could be in my shorts and you won't know. But the good news is you could watch in your pajamas and sip coffee, I guess, at home and, and nobody will know. And I will try and focus and look at the camera because I guess that's what I'm supposed to do rather than looking around as usual. Uh, so it is going to be a little bit awkward. But things were building up and building up. And a couple of weeks ago or a week and a half ago, the dam sort of broke. Uh, all of a sudden, it was declared a pandemic. Uh, all of a sudden, everything's shutting down. Everything's on lockdown. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, people are panic buying. And about a week and a half ago, when this started, when the dam sort of broke, I wrote down eight things that I just thought were critical for us to be reminded of and to remember during this time. And and these are not the, the sermon per se, but sort of a lead up to it. And I just wanted to mention these things uh, just to be aware of. And so eight things real quick. Uh, number one, uh, it's a fallen world. And we're going to talk about that later on in, in the message. And that's just part of living in a fallen world. Number two, this too shall pass. Uh, we've been through a lot of things like this around the world, not so much in our culture here, but there's been Ebola, there's been SARS, there's been H1N1 and other things that's going on, and, and they pop up and they pass away. So this too shall pass. Number three, remember that God's in control. Remember his sovereignty. Uh, this is not a time to, to doubt that. It's a time to know that God is firmly in control of all things. Number four, look for an opportunity to minister, especially to your neighbors, uh, especially to the elderly. Uh, it's time for you to go across the street and knock on the door and say, do you need anything? Is there anything that I can do for you? Uh, number five, this is a time when our quiet confidence in God should be on display for all the world to see. I mean, we should be uh, people who are, who are not who are calm, not really reckless in a way, but 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 calm. And and so people know their confidence is in God. Think of it like this. When the disciples were out in the storm in that boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus comes walking across the water, and Peter gets out of the boat to walk toward Jesus. Remember, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, everything was fine. But as soon as he started looking at the wind and the waves, fear gripped him, he began to sink. This needs to be a time where we keep our eyes on Jesus. And as a result, there's a calmness in the midst of when there's things and fear going on all around us. Uh, the, the next thing, uh, what an opportunity this presents. We don't know. Is this an opportunity for your family to grow closer together? Because you're going to be stuck with your family at home. A lot of you are. And so what a great opportunity for your family to grow closer. What a great opportunity for revival to break out even in the midst of something difficult like this. I know this. That any time there's a difficulty, any time that, that there's issues going on, it's an opportunity uh, for God to come through and do something great. That's just James chapter 1. You know, in, in all trials and all difficulties, there's an opportunity for God to work in us. Uh, 
Next, number seven, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Remember that. Uh, And last, pray. Pray for revival. Pray for our medical professionals that they may remain safe. Pray for our seniors, our elderly, those who are vulnerable for other reasons to this disease. May they stay safe in this and may they experience God's healing in this. So if we can do those eight things, uh, it can help us to keep our minds when everybody else around us is losing theirs. And we just might go through this and have enough toilet paper to spare. Who knows? That's a possibility. So there was this bird that was flying south for the winter. And it flies right into this storm. And it starts getting pelted with, with, with ice and snow. And it's falling on it. Its wings are getting heavy. So it goes in this field for a crash landing. And it's sitting there and more ice and snow is falling and it's just turning into a popsicle. And this little bird is thinking, I never thought I'd go out like this, freezing to death. And and just a, a little while after that, a cow comes up and stands right over the bird. And there's no easy way to put this. It makes a deposit right on top of the bird. And so now the bird's thinking, oh, great. Not only am I going to freeze to death, I'm going to be stinking while I'm freezing to death. But very soon the bird realizes that that warmth from that manure is melting all the ice and snow and the storm has passed quickly. And so now the snow is getting melted and the bird starts going chirp, 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 chirp. And he's chirping because he knows he's going to be freeze. He's going to live through this. Everything's going to be all right. So he starts chirping away. And then all of a sudden one of, God, one of Satan's leading creatures, a cat, hears that chirping and comes up to the bird and snatches out of manure and eats it. The moral of the story, three morals. Number one, everyone that drops manure on you is not your enemy. Number two, everyone that snatches you out of manure is not your friend. And number three, it's best just to keep quiet when you are in manure. The thing is this, it's important for us to have perspective when we're going through difficulties, to have a context, to have a perspective that's so critical whether we're going through a personal crisis, a personal illness, or whether we're going through something like our culture is experiencing right now. Because here's what I know. Whenever Christians are going through difficulties and they see somebody, maybe they lose their job. Maybe they, they, they get the virus. Maybe it could be anything. Their, their loved one dies of cancer. It, it, maybe there's a divorce going on. Whenever that happens, as Christians, it's real tempted for us just to give the standard trust God answer until it becomes personal. When it becomes personal, everything changes. When it becomes personal, when it's, when it's, when it's our loved one that gets the virus, when it's our loved one that dies, or we go through the divorce, or we lose our job because of the virus and all the economic ramifications of this, then what we want is we want, it, we want an answer. We want a context. We want to know why this is going on. That's just within us all. We all want to, to see if there's a purpose in this. There's some context for this. There's some reason why this happened. It's like when Lazarus was when he had died and Jesus waited four days later before he came. Mary and Martha, what they asked Jesus, why'd you wait so long? If you would have been here, you could have done something about this. Now they realize that they're, what they're admitting is that, no, we realize it's not going to change anything, but if we can just know there's some context, if we can just know there's some reason, if we can just know there's some purpose, it will help us get through this. And whenever tragedy strikes, That's what everybody looks for. It's just within all of us to look for some context, some purpose. Did my dad die so that that nurse might come to Christ? We just want some purpose for this. 
Because if there's no purpose, if this is just random, then there goes our faith, there goes our confidence in God. It's gone. So what I want to do today is just set a foundation for what is probably going to be several weeks, maybe a whole month of, of what we've got to go through here in our culture. But I want to set a foundation for us to, to face this for what's coming in the days, of he, days ahead. And so we're going to look at a scripture in Romans chapter 8. And uh, hopefully we'll set us out a foundation of, of, of how we can approach this. Because if we have this foundation down, it gives the context. It gives us a way to go through this with hope. It gives us a way to go through this with a calmness in God, with keeping our focus on Him. Uh, so we're going to read some scripture. We're going to start in Romans chapter 8, uh, here in verse 18. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time or not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Let me ask you this question. How does weather affect Alaskans' mood? What I've noticed living here for 20 years is that it has a big effect. Time change that happened just a couple of weeks ago has a big effect on Alaskans. And I'll tell you what else has a big effect on Alaskans. It's when it's in the middle of, of winter. In January and February, it's 20 and 30 below, and somebody has a trip planned to go down south or to go to Hawaii. You just know that. They, they are different. You watch them a couple of weeks before they're leaving on the trip, and, and you will see a difference. The weather doesn't seem to bother them so much. It doesn't have an effect on them so much. And when it comes a couple of days before they're leaving, when they're packing their sunscreen and their sandals and their shorts, they're different people. They got a smile on their face. Why? Because Hawaii is in their future. It makes a total difference in the way they process the weather going on here because they know Hawaii's coming. And what we see in Scripture is that we ought to be a different people. Why? Because heaven is in our future. Heaven is 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 something that that that's coming. So no matter how difficult things get, no matter how hard things are, there should be a difference in us because heaven is coming. Uh, heaven is on our calendar, and we know it's and we know it's there. And what Paul is saying in verse eighteen is that we are different. Why? Because we know that what's coming is is no comparison to what we're experiencing right now. No comparison at all. And you know people who have put their hope in different things besides God. And that hope is either fading away or it's gone completely. And it's not pretty. The results of that and what's left is not pretty. And the virus is going to reveal what people's hope is in. Trouble comes, it reveals what your hope is in. Because if your hope is in something else, if your hope is in your, your job, if your hope is in, 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 in the economy, your, your hope is in something else, this virus will reveal it. And, and so what Paul is telling us is, is to put our hope in God. And then he says this in verse 19. He says, For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. He says there's this revealing that's coming. What's he talk about revealing? What does he mean by revealing? He explains that in the next verse. In verse 20, when he says for, he's talking about what this revealing is all about. He says, for the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it. 
Creation was subjected to futility, to chaos, to sin. When did that happen? When Adam sinned. Who subjected it? God did. Whenever sin came to this world, it set an effect throughout all creation. And it just sort of broke everything. Everything is broken. Uh, everything is messed up uh, because of that. Uh, there will always be another earthquake. There will always be another tsunami. There will always be another disease. It just set on course throughout all creation, this brokenness. You were born broken into a broken world. It's not just that your marriage is bad. It's not just that your life is bad. Your family is broken. Everything's broken. Uh, have you ever heard somebody say, don't do that or God will get you? Well, I got news for you. You were born gotten. You were born gotten. You were born broken into a broken world. And if nothing, if God never does anything else to you because of your sin, you're going to die one day. Nobody gets by with anything because we're always born broken into a broken world. And, and then look at the next verse, verse 21. That creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Slavery to corruption. So what Paul is giving us, he's giving us the context. He's telling us what has happened in the past, that this world was broken and that we have been uh, made slavery to this corruption. Uh, my dad used to say, son, you've got to be tough to get old. Growing old is not for wimps. You grow old, your stomach sticks out, your hair falls out, your, your mind blanks out, and pretty soon you're going to tap out. It's just difficult getting old. Okay, we're going to face that. Uh, I know that when I used to be younger and I would get up in the morning and hurt, I knew why I hurt. You know, my legs hurt. That's because I ran 10 miles yesterday. You know, my back hurts. That's because I was digging a ditch half the day yesterday. But now I get up and I have no reason why I hurt. I just hurt. How many of you take proactive Advil? You get up in the morning taking Advil because you know before the day's over, something's going to hurt. That's what Paul is saying. We're in a slavery to corruption. God, why has this happened to me? Why is this virus here? Why do I hurt? Why do I have these issues? Why is my family so broken? Because of slavery to corruption. Because when sin came, it made us all a slavery to corruption. What did I do to deserve this, God? Nothing. You were just born. It just happens. Uh, that's that's what that, that's what's going on. So this is Paul giving us a picture of the past that we're broken. We were born broken. We live in a broken world. It's slavery to corruption. And that's what's happened in the past. And now he's fixing to give us a vision of the future of what's to come. Uh, back to verse 21. He says this, that creation itself also will be set free from the slavery of corruption. Will be set free. So this is what's going to happen in the future. It will be set free from slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Uh, what's going on here and, and what you need to understand is that the destiny of creation is linked to the destiny of man. That when we become all that we're meant to be from God's point of view, then creation will become all it's meant to be. That just as we share Christ's glory, creation shares our glory. So there's a link that's there. And so what Paul's doing is looking to the future of what's to come and to show us how creation is linked to what we're meant to become. And then he says this, verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. 
He said, if you could look at what's coming, it's like the pains of childbirth. Not a futile pain that doesn't lead to anything, but a pain that's coming to something good, a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, I remember when our first son, Jeremy, was born. Uh, there was there was screaming, there was yelling, there was crying out for medication, and, and Lisa had a hard time too. But what happened was something that fills with such joy that, that it made you know all that, the, the, the pain, the difficulty sort, sort of go away. That's why when a baby's born, you don't take a picture of the labor, you take a picture of the birth. And the idea here is what's coming is so much greater than, than what we're going through now. Back up to verse 18. Listen to how this verse 18 brings us out. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Uh, the idea is that when Jesus comes back, I don't know if, if then all the pain is going to make sense to us if, if we get the context and also we actually know why that happened when Jesus comes back. Or when Jesus comes back, it's going to be so wonderful being with him that we won't care why all that took place and, and, and why. But I do know this, because we're Christians and because of the resurrection, it set us on a course that nothing can stop it. Nothing. Nothing can come and interfere with what's going to be coming in the future. Listen to this verse out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, it helps us with this attitude that we're, we're to have because of the resurrection. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. That's what some Christians need to hear going through all this. We do not lose heart. Though our outward man is decaying, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we look not to the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are, which are not seen are eternal. He's saying, look, we have a future for us. And it's so much greater than you can imagine, so much greater than, than you can see now. And nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. Some of you have been to a doctor's office, and, and you've heard a doctor give you a diagnosis that, that, that really wasn't good. It didn't look good. You know, it's it, you know cancer or something like that. And everybody asks the doctor the same question that everybody asks God when they're going through a crisis, when they're going through a difficulty. Can you do something about this, and will you do something about it? So the first question is, can God do something about this virus? Oh, yes. Jesus proved that. While he was here on earth, what did he do? He healed people of everything. There are times, there are phrases in the gospel where, where it says, and he healed them all. Everything, every disease, every brokenness, every physical difficulty that people came with, Jesus healed it. So can he do something about that? Yes. And will he do something about that? Yes. It's called a second coming. That's when there's going to be no more pain, no more death. And what Jesus came to do, one of the things that, that the Bible talks about he came to do is to reverse the curse. Listen to Acts chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. That he may send Jesus to Christ, appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, from ancient time. For the restoration of all things, he came to reverse the curse. Creation was subjected to futility, but he's going to come and, re and reverse that. And we're going to be liberated from all decay. So, just to sum up on where we're at. First, Paul tells us about the past. 
brokenness, slaves to, to corruption. You know, that's just the world we live in. It's a broken world. Then he tells us about the future. Nothing to be compared with today. All this is going to end. We're going to be with him. It's like a, a birth of a new heaven, a new earth. It, it, and then what we're going through now is like these birth pains. So we have the past, we have the future, and then Paul talks about the right now. The right now. What happens right now? We have this past where things were broken because of sin, futility because of sin. We have a future that's going to be filled with joy and, and, and just being in his presence. But right now, right now, what do we do? He talks about right now we're in the midst of, we're groaning, but we're groaning with a hope. Let, let me read the, the first verse of this in verse 23, back in, in chapter uh, Romans chapter 8. And not only this, but also we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons or redemption of our body. So right now we're going through aches, different pains that we have. Um, when I was pastoring in Iowa, uh, I was there at University Baptist Churches, right on the edge of Iowa State. And so, you know, we're, we're so closely tied to the university. Now, Iowa State's football team has never been very good. It's been better recently, but in those years especially, it was not good at all. And on the weekends where there's going to be a game, if you walk into the bookstore, there'd be this huge banner and it would say things like Kill Kansas or Mall, Missouri or something like that. But this weekend, we were playing Nebraska. This, now, this is back 23 years ago when Nebraska mattered. Okay, They were ranked number one in the country on, on this weekend. And I walk into the bookstore, and here's what the banner says on the bookstore. It says, Maintain Dignity Against Nebraska. Now, that's exactly what some people do when they're going through their aches and pains. They just try to maintain some dignity. Other people, they've sort of faked the ache. Oh, I'm okay. I'm not hurting. I'm doing fine. Others try and blame people. You know, it's their fault. It's, it's, it's this other person's fault. It's God's fault why I'm going through this. But what Paul is trying to do is to go through the ache, go through the pain with a hope, a different way of looking at things. A hope to the glory of God would be a good way to put it. So I'm going to read you verse 23 again, and then I'm going to read you verses 24 and 25. And there's a word that's used over and over again in verses 24 and 25. And it'll be really easy for you to pick out. So let's start back at verse 23. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Now here's verse 24. For in hope... We have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one also hope for what he does see, for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we eagerly wait for it. And, and there in, in, in verse 24, it uses the word hope four times, and another time verse 25. The key word's hope, and hope is such a powerful thing. And what Paul is trying to get across is that in this middle between the world being broken when Adam sinned until Jesus comes again and all things is, is made beautiful, made right. In the midst of this, we have this hope, and hope is such a powerful thing. Uh, one, one cardiologist said hope can cure almost anything. 
See, I, I read accounts of people in prison camps. Uh, so they, they've experienced the same thing and maybe been in the same cell together or right next to each other, and they have the same experiences. And when one gets out of the prison camp, everything's fine. He just goes back to normal and life is okay. The other guy, he lives right, that's his life broken, seared by that, and he can't, he can't escape what he went through. Why? Because of hope. Hope makes all the difference. And as a pastor, I have seen a, a family go through a loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a child or something like that. And, and and they go through that, and it just affected them and just breaks them down spiritually, emotionally, physically, in every way. And I've seen other families go through the same thing, the exact same thing. But what happens to them, they, they somehow become stronger. They somehow physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in every way, they just get deeper, stronger. And I look at them and I go, I want some of that. And the difference is they went through their issue. They went through it with hope. So your problem is not your problem. Your problem is how you go through your problem. The way you look at your problem, that's your problem. And what Paul is trying to get across is that going through the difficulties in life should drive us to God, should drive us to have a hope in Him. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Paul says this, for we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sense of death within ourselves in order that, so here's the purpose, in order that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. So Paul says, all this stuff we were going through, all these difficulties, they were there for a purpose. Why? To force us to put our hope in God. To force us to focus on Him. John sixteen thirty three is a great uh, summation of these verses in Romans. You're familiar with this. Jesus says this. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation or trouble. But take courage. I have overcome the world. So, so Jesus tells us two things. And both are true. I only wish one was true, but both of them true. One, in this world, we will have trouble. And some of you know what that's like. I'm not talking about lost your keys kind of trouble. I'm talking about the kind of trouble that, that, that hurts, that, that hits you, that knocks you down. You know, you lose your job. You get the virus. You, you, you love one gets cancer or something like that. We know what it is to have trouble. That's true. But he says, there's something bigger than trouble. For I have overcome the world. So the two, both things are true. One, we're going to have trouble, and the thing that God is bigger than any trouble that, that we, could, we could experience. Both those things are true at the same time. I know we would love for only one to be true, but both are true. So, I know this. Nobody is going to be walking through eternity saying, I went through so, went through so much trouble while I was on earth that it just messed up all eternity for me. Nobody's going to be doing that. Because when we get there, we understand that God has overcome everything. And so our hope is in Him. So the worst thing that can happen to you is not the pain and suffering of this world. It's not a virus. It's not losing your job. It's not the, the cancer diagnosis. The worst thing that can happen to you is leaving this world without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Our only hope is, is putting our focus on Him. That's what will get us through this, is understanding this context. Yes, things were broken in the beginning. 
you know, subjected to futility, brokenness. And in the end, in the future, God's going to come and everything's going to change. And there's going to be this new heaven, this new earth, and, and he's going to reverse the curse. But in the meantime, as we go through this, we put our focus on Jesus Christ. We put our focus on him. So the question is, is your focus on him? Is that where it's at today? Uh, will you make the decision that you need to, to put your focus on him? And so we're going to pray. We're going to pray for that. But then don't don't tune out right away because there's some things we need to talk about, about what's coming ahead. But if you're ready to, to put your focus on him, to, to put your trust in Jesus Christ and have your hope in him, not in your job or not in your health or not in a, a diagnosis, then now's the time you can do that. Uh, so let's pray together. Father, it is a difficult time. Uh, it, it is hard, and, and, and there are going. Every one of us will have somebody we know that that has had the virus, and some it's going to be worse than others. But I pray throughout all this that we'll maintain a proper context, a proper perspective on what's happening. That we would have our focus uh, on you. That we would be a people who who are not losing their heads because of this. That we'll be a people who who have this quiet confidence in God. Why? Because heaven's on our calendar. That we'll just walk around differently than other people. In the stores, we'll, we'll have a joy. In the stores, we'll just be looking different because we know heaven is on our calendar. That, that yes, there's going to be difficulties, and it's not going to be easy. But we know what's coming. And so it changes how we face things that we're going through right now. Father, may that be us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.